Rundown live on YouTube for the second time ever. Friday the 13th, 2020. What could go wrong on Friday the 13th? I don't know. The report came out, McCarrick. Got to talk about that. Did we rush to canonize a saint only to impugn him later on? Election update, madness, chaos. We're going to unpack exactly what's happening and give our predictions for what we think is going to happen ultimately. Lockdown 2.0, it's actually happening. We've been telling you for months. Don't act surprised. And then finally, we have to discuss the poke. What is the poke? We'll tell you. Let's get started. We are live. The Carrick Report came out. Who read it? Raise your hand if you read it. Uh, not all of it. I read pieces of it. Pieces <laughs> I of read it. Lo- Would you be shocked if I raised my hand? 400 plus pages. It's 450 pages of, of, of obscenities, really, of just absolute weirdness. Um, I'll say this. I'll open it up with the McCarrick Report. I didn't want to open it up. I wanted to kick this over to somebody like Brother. <laughs> it's long. It's lengthy. The long and short of it is Benedict bad, John Paul worse, Francis innocent. Exactly. Where's the lie? Pope, Pope, Innoc- Pope Innocent the Sixth or whatever. You know? <laughs> Give someone a new, a new name. Um, one of the things that I found really striking about it is that it didn't really address the problem that McCarrick was one of the kingmakers. You know, someone who made bishops, ordained priests, all that kind of stuff. What do you do when someone? Uh, you know, infiltrates a church like that and then, in a sense, pollutes uh, the hierarchy with men just like him. There was, there was no no answer for that, for that in the report. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw that or that stood out to you guys, but that, that was one of the main things that stood out to me. I mean, now you have these guys that he appointed being rectors of seminary and, and, and the corruption continues. There's no, there was no plan uh, to resolve that issue. I, you know... I'm getting a live. We are interacting with our live chat today because we are live on YouTube. And somebody in the chat, Alberto, has just said Francis is more innocent than JP2, in my view. Thoughts on that? <laughs> well, he, uh, JP2 is the one under whom uh, <clears throat> McCarrick gets his rise. So, yeah, it's this is one of the reasons why in the church's praxis. You, even if the guy is in heaven, you don't rush to canonize a saint. You wait. You know, there's there's a handful of occasions where they did it after a couple of years, like St. Francis, obviously, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Clair. But really, you should be waiting, you know, a good period of time to see what happens. Also to see if the cultus of the saint will continue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would put, I mean, as it is, John Paul II's cultus has waned tremendously. Has it? In 15 years. Oh, yeah. And the only places you really find are priests ordained in the 80s, people who were like big, you know, uh, neoconservative Catholics in the 80s, and Poland. That's where you find the big JP2 cultists, people who were alive in those days and, you know, who were especially, you know, strong in the faith in the 90s and whatnot. John Paul II is still a very popular image for them, at least the image they were allowed to see that was crafted for them. 
Um, and, th- and those are, you know, th- those are the people that still keep that devotion. As soon as they're passed on and you have new generations, nobody's going to really know or care or really even understand why he was canonized, mm-hmm. which is the same thing exactly right now for Paul VI, mm-hmm. except for a few, you know, hippie priests and, and you know, uh, priests of a certain persuasion from the 70s. They're about the only ones who who cared about uh, Paul VI because that's when certain that period of their lives is when certain things went into motion. So the uh, it, that was dead, you know, dead on arrival. Basically, mm-hmm. it's another one never canonized in the in the church's tradition because there's no cultists. There's no there's no movement to make that happen. It's really a cultist that's being crafted on purpose. So so again, JP two probably should they should have waited at least another twenty years because then you get stuff like this show up where you know you you have his role in theater because whatever the case of whether this report is a whitewash whether it's spinning facts whether it's accurate doesn't really matter what does matter is we know jp2 was the pope when mccarrick made his rise and it was known that he was an abuser yet still becomes uh, a bishop and a cardinal and you know the, the main power broker i so i did a keyword search um, and spent a couple hours inside the McCarrick Report the day that it came out. And what I noticed is that if you did a keyword search for things like uh, similar words to disorder, perversion, etc., you know what I'm talking about, um, it was not present. It was never actually definitively yeah. said anywhere in the report, disordered, unnatural, etc., um, Archbishop Vigano's name was probably the most prominent besides McCarrick. I saw Vigano hundreds and hundreds of times. There was definitely an effort in the report to drag him through the mud as well and to say that he knew uh, things before he claimed to have known them. There was even one case in the report where it claims that a Brazilian priest came to him and he took no action on it, and the Brazilian priest had been abused specifically by McCarrick um, and that he failed to investigate. So um, I'm not saying that all that is true. I'm just saying that I'm not surprised at all that they would try to muddy the waters and drag, uh, drag the whistleblower down with them. Thoughts Mm -hmm. on that? Well, it's classical, uh, you know, government activity. Look in the Obama years. That's precisely what they did whenever a whistleblower appeared. And then a uh, similar thing with Snowden, similar thing when you had certain WikiLeaks uh, depictions of American military war crimes going on in the Middle East. And then what's the response? Not, yes, the, so someone committed something that was wrong and we own it and we're going to make it right. No, no, that those terrible WikiLeaks and that, uh, and, and of course, the guy at the center of it, I guess, uh, Manning. Who leaked some of that info? So it's like no one ever disputed it was legitimate info of uh, American military murdering civilians. It was, you know, nobody's ever disputed that it was. Oh, but that never mm. should have. That jeopardizes our national security, mm. right? So they blame the guy at the center of it, who, of course, turns out to also be transgendered, right? Or now he is, or was trying to. Now he's a he thinks he's a she and whatever. Normally, that's like a cause celebrating. Nope, even the left because the left loves war, and so they're not going to go after that. So it's the same type of stuff here. Um, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna call out perversion. No, you need to find your scapegoat, and of course, why not, you know, blame someone who's a Canaanite saint because, uh, well, it's it's a good cause for showing. Oh, see, not everything you did was right. That means, 
Evangelium Vitae and Ordinatio Sotrigatollis weren't right. Uh-huh. Because, look, he, he got this wrong. That's, that's kind of what they're laying up there. But with Vigano, it's obvious. He's the whistleblower. God is swatting. Right. And, and, you know, by Vigano's own admission, he did cover it up. He did, you know, in his own original testimony, he was part of the cover-up. The, the Pope ordered silence on McCarrick, and he came in and claims he imposed that. And, you know, and then when McCarrick was still out and about, did he report that? You know, he, he's not even really clear on that. Um, because you see things where he's, like, at a dinner and he's shaking hands, smiling with McCarrick. Right. So that specific instance actually was called out in the report, um, and they, they cited, um, they actually quoted Vigano's speech that he gave, glowing speech about how everyone right. loved McCarrick and his contributions to Holy Mother Church. By, by the way, this was... Uh, this was in 2014 or 15. Uh, at this point, Vigano knew everything about McCarrick. Um, and there he is appearing with him in public, praising him, uh, uh, embracing him very warmly. I think there was an occasion where one of the two men took a fall and um, and had to go to the hospital. And the other one was at the other one's bedside and stuff. I mean, these two were – they knew each other. They were close. They're top-level clerics. Um, and that's all in the report. Now, again, did these things actually happen? Uh, maybe, sure. I don't know. And if, if it comes out from the Vatican and it's all in the footnotes, I mean, what else is hiding in the footnotes? But but uh, but the, the the bigger question is, and I want to kick this back over to brother, is, uh, and and this is a question from Katie in Atlanta. We're just in case something might come up with Venerable Fulton Sheen. We're just not going to – we're going to hold off and pump the brakes on canonizing Sheen. But JP2, definitely in heaven despite what he did on earth. And Fulton Sheen definitely has – I mean there are miracles attributed to Fulton Sheen. Uh, JP2, I'm, I, I think I remember one of some uh, – there was a lady that was cured of Parkinson's or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I mean this is the case with every now canonization of a bishop, you know, and – we we have to take into consideration what they the decisions they made while they were the governors of dioceses, the positions that they had. Um, I mean, another, uh, other, other, what exactly are we canonizing? What exactly are we saying is, is a model? Um, yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, Steve, any words of wisdom from from you on uh, McCarrick? You've been silent. I know you want to get into the election, which we will. <laughs> No, I just know when to keep my mouth shut because I know nothing about it. I didn't read it. Don't care to read it. Uh, uh, it, it interests me well, zero, so that's why I just sit back and let you guys talk about it. All right. Well, let's 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 do that transition, hey, but thing. let's do it this way. All right, all right, Ryan's let's, let's got something. Do this, He's actually, got... I got. Um, so we were just talking about like brother's point. You know, it, it's uh, we judge a bishop by the things he did. Here's what Saint Robert Bellarmine says. Uh, you know, on this this particular subject, he says the supreme pontiff bears a threefold person in the Church of God. He is the pastor and ruler of the universal Church. He is bishop of his own city of Rome, and he is the temporal prince of ecclesiastical patrimony. No longer the the case. The last mm-hmm. one. Yet among all his duties, the solicitude for every church holds the first the place of uh, most importance. This is first the most general and the greatest. Uh, because the Apostle Peter right, went to Rome and he goes through these things. And then he says, lastly, it's the greatest because the episcopate of the city of Rome has its own limits. But these are narrow enough, just like the church's temporal rule. The supreme pontiff has no limits except those that the world itself has. And he goes on. 
um, get to the right part. Uh, when he talks about the duty of the Pope is to appoint good good bishops, because good bishops will appoint good priests, they'll have good preachers and good confessors. And he says, therefore, the salvation of souls will be assured as long as he will stand for them. But if by chance, due to the negligence of bishops or parish priests, some souls should perish, their blood will be required from the hand of the pastors. Moreover, the Supreme Pontiff will save his soul naturally, should he have done what it was due to him to make sure these souls would not perish. If, on the contrary, the Supreme Pastor himself would give to particular churches either bishops that were less good, or should he not see to it that they exercise their office, then indeed the blood of these souls will be required mm-hmm. at the end of the Supreme Pontiff. Uh, t- two so, rhetorical uh, questions for you, Ryan, both from the live stream. Mm-hmm. Philip wants to know if you were <laughs> translating live from Latin, and Alberto wants to know if you got <laughs> the permission of Vatican Council II to read anything by Bellarmine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, the first one, no, I, I um, actually, the, my my copy of the original for this book is at home. Okay. So as I'm translating the sacraments right now, so this book, anyway, so I can do my shameless plug now on the Roman Pontiff Saint Robert Bellarmine. Everyone reads only four little pages on a, a certain question that I won't even name, and there's 700 pages in the book. All right, all right, you're <laughs> not getting you're not getting uh, a shameless plug at the end. You've you've spent that bullet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vatican II quotes, you know, actually picks up Bellarmine's ecclesiology very yes. much, and uh, at least in the parts that are that are orthodox and from the tradition rather than the ambiguous stuff. So, um, so yes, I have permission to quote and translate. Okay, and one other question for you, that. Ryan, just because people are wondering why you're socialist distancing from your microphone and from the from the monitor. What's going on with you today? Uh, my, uh, you might be able to hear it faintly because I'm standing back further. So my camera, I moved way back there, and I got my mic actually right here because the fan on my computer, because the computer is over 10 years old, and it is blasting like a wind tunnel. So if I stand <laughs> next to it, you're just going to hear Are you grifting again? Are, is, this you, is this you asking for a new computer? <laughs> <laughs> People buy, uh, everybody buy a copy of uh, Bellarmine and he will give right, them new- there we go. There we go. <laughs> if you don't want to see him socialist distancing anymore, buy books from Mediatrix Press. Thank you very much. All right. I want to transition to our next topic and I want to answer. And you get a tree bug on the side. <laughs> I want to answer Joshua's question in the live chat that Joshua James Bell showed. Uh, Joshua is asking what our thoughts are on the various members of the USCCB including the president of the USCCB, Archbishop Gomez in Los Angeles, and his little lackey, uh, his little lispy lackey, uh, Robert Barron, uh, what they think, about, what, he, what we think about them congratulating President-elect Joe Biden. President-elect Joe Biden. I, first, here's, here's the first response to that. Here we go. Uh, where is it? The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. Ha 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 
Okay, Steve. The media said, the media said that uh, Biden won. Did he win? Dude, we're not going to. As we said before, this even happened. This is going to be two thousand on steroids. It's it's not going to get over for any time soon. Uh, Biden, I think, lost Pennsylvania, so you can't call him president elect anymore. So he doesn't have the two seventy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, I mean. I know Francis came out and gave him a phone call. I, I joke saying, did he call collect? <laughs> uh, this is all about, if you even saw uh, the Holy Father, unfortunately, came out, was it yesterday? Yeah. Did you see That's that right. about urging prayer, uh, believers to pray that AI and robots, quote, always serve mankind? It's, I know we've said it once, just say it again. It's that build back better that you heard Boris congratulate Biden on, too. And his tweet, tell her, thank you for uh, congratulations on winning so we can build back better society. Okay, this build, okay, this build back better thing is really insidious because first of all, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It's the worst marketing campaign of all time, build back better. But if you were to take the three B's, lowercase B's, build back better and just draw a line through them, it's 666. Well, I'm not going to go into that. I think we all know to what the church teaches on that thing it's uh they might just be trying to poke at us especially the envi- the uh, evangelicals that are always about looking for the end, end times antichrist stuff and blah 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 i'm not looking at uh, yeah they might just be throwing that in our face just to get our little you know play with us but this is all about the great reset mm-hmm. uh his thing about the ai fourth industrial revolution if you look that up uh, that's exactly what it is that the robots will be in charge. I don't want to say like, you know, Terminator style, but it's <laughs> the AI, AI and robots will take over. That's what they say. Isn't it? Isn't it Every- interesting though, that at this point in 2020, in November of 2020, you still have like prominent members of the Catholic community, especially on Twitter, who are just now discovering the great reset. I mean, this is, it's published. Like they're like, they, they, they no longer feel the need to conceal their insidious plans for humanity. It's online. Dude, I, I must be one of those weirdos that just likes watching that. I was talking to my bud, Mark that works in the office with me and I go, Hey, what should I listen to when I'm working today? Uh, people talking about the, the devil guys or the devil themselves. And uh, it was the, the WEF, the world economic forum, YouTube channel. Yeah. I'll listen to their podcast. They put out videos Every day, they had a four-day conference the other day on just of about how to get rid of CO2 emissions, which they even had Bill Gates on to talk about the the economy and you know how to get rid of CO2 levels, how to make trains, planes, automobiles, trucks zero uh, zero emissions. Uh, but if you get to the zero emissions thing, what is what is a big or big group that uh, pumps out CO2? We're doing it right now, mm-hmm. humans. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about, you know, we want to give a, give the world the control of these guys who want to don't like human humanity much. Uh, they, they want zero CO2. That means we have to stop breathing. And doesn't that hurt the trees? Uh, somebody did come up and say that these guys are the, the quote unquote environmentalists or the they don't give a rip, which they don't, about the envir- uh, environmental stuff. Because if they want to get rid of CO2 levels, that kills all plant life and I mean, life in general has to have carbon, yeah. carbon dioxide. But no, what the Holy Father is pushing is exactly this 
fourth industrial uh, revolution that pray for ai i mean literally we're praying that uh, that ai serves humanity that the robots never turn on us i mean this is like this is a joke at this point (laughs) it's a joke well that too this would take over your jobs your job's gone you're it's it's not that's the whole point of the fourth industrial revolution what happened to the other ones it was different ways of working now you're looking at the robots the ai is going to be your some of them already doing it People can't live without their cell phones. People can't live without Siri or they got Alexis, you know, running their house or smart TVs, et cetera, like that. And that's why you need the 5G so you can be able to pull a lot of this stuff off. Vehicle to vehicle, the autonomous cars. Uh, what, who's doing it right now? Is it Jacksonville or is it Orlando that's doing the – They have, I think it was on Drudge. They had uh, the Jetsons. Uh, flying cars around. I can't remember what city it was, but when I was doing Uber, they were talking, they are, uh, in Arizona, there was AI cars and uh, plane versions being practiced. This was three, four years ago. It was outside, I can't, I mean, it was outside uh, Arizona, uh, Phoenix, but I can't remember the city. And LA and Dallas was supposed to be the top two cities they were going to start these experiments on, on flying car flying the flying car for just uber they got trucks there that can go on ai right now so imagine that industry the trucking industry going straight ai that's a gigantic industry of workers gone not including that but the stop the truck stops gone uh people that work on the cars gone Trucking into the everything that the, everything that loads a truck and things like that, the people that work on the the machines gone. What are you? What are people going to do after all this? When the the robots are basically your new work? It's Skynet. Um, I I could talk about Skynet all day, but I think we have to land the plane on the election first, and then we'll kind of go into the lockdowns or whatever. And I got a question out of Detroit. Mary wants to know what we think about what her archbishop is doing, dispensing people from mass until beyond Ash Wednesday of 2021. Um, But in terms of the election, okay, so let's let's go around all four of us. Uh, Steve, you've already said you think Trump is is waltzing back into the White House in 2021, January 20th, 2021. He's re-inaugurated easily. Why do you say that? I was talking to guys that uh, know that in the NSA or former NSA, like uh, Carpenter, and I just heard uh, what's-his-face, the uh, attorney for Sandman. Uh, he said he got off the phone with Trump and was all he was just talking it up. I can't remember the uh, guys that he was on the show with, mm. but the guy asked him, the interviewer asked him, why do you feel so confident? Because I just got done talking to Donald and the stuff he was saying, I didn't even know about. And it is, uh, he's very confident. Now, as Ron Paul said, he's confident on this too, but I'm not putting my money mm-hmm. on it. Uh, as we said before, not, you can look back at the other rundowns. They're not going to let us screw up voting again. They want their man, uh, St. Joe, since he, he raised so many people from the dead the other day. But there's okay. more on that. There's been dead people voting for the last three elections. Colorado had a uh, there was a Wall Street Journal uh, article on Colorado how many people were voting dead the last one South Carolina two elections ago uh, there was another article about eight million people that are dead or one uh, something like that one or eight million people are still registered to vote that are dead so this you know when you look at the election stuff and uh, there was a tweet of the other day of a former Clinton uh, worker someone said the voting is rigged and he goes they're all rigged. They're all rigged. There's, there's just this one. Everyone's getting 
you know, uppity about. Thankfully, mm-hmm. maybe people are seeing that the system is corrupt, should we say? That voting is rigged. Or it wasn't anybody. It was Ronald Klain who's going to be Biden's chief of staff. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's not like these normal, these regular, this wacko people are coming out saying this thing's rigged. Big dogs are talking about it. And we called it. They, we saw with the TIP. We read about it last week. Uh, if we knew it, you think Trump knew about this thing, too? He did. He was playing golf last Saturday. At well, that's what Texas you texted Young. me. And that actually was, I think, your best argument. Your best argument to me for why he's why he's not worried about it is he's out there golfing. He knows he's going to be in the White House. And you say, I don't know if you saw Pompeo. Uh, he took a question and they said, uh, you know, Secretary Pompeo, uh, what is your plan for transitioning, you know, uh, to, to the next uh, administration? He said, we're going to have a very smooth transition to a second term. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm fairly if he's confident and not not worried. He's got all these guys, lawsuits, et cetera, going. Something big just happened in Pennsylvania. I know Georgia's kind of corrupt right now. They're they're sending the elections until they're stopping the recounts until 5 p.m. And it's a secret location. So you can't find out where they're at and they're speeding it up. How are you going to recount hundreds of thousands of votes in an eight to five gig? Yeah, good luck on that. It took, was it 2000? I think it took uh, 27 days for Florida to redo it. And Georgia Georgia wants to do it during the, uh, the workday. Um, <laughs> No, nah, I mean, again, I won't be shocked either way. We're going to get, you're going to get the poke either all right, way. All right, all right, all right. The poke comes at the end of the show. Either way. The poke. Yeah, you're going to get, the shut, you're going to get shut down either way. You're, it's just how bad are we going to get hosed is the degree on. All right, uh, Steve, Steve with his morning, um, pick me up. Steve with his morning. <laughs> With his inspirational <laughs> message from Steve. Okay, I got to kick it over to you, Ryan. Ryan, you uh, also, I think, said that uh, Trump Trump was going to be selected, not elected. That was my first uh, go back about two weeks just before the election. I predicted that it would be messy. We'd see all these problems. There'd be disputed counts, but that Trump would, in the end, win. And then after the election, when I saw how it was going... I came to the conclusion that they're actually going to put Biden in. And I don't want to keep reversing myself. So I'm just going to stick with that change that I made after the election, uh, which is, I believe is last week's show, uh, where I said that uh, based on everything that they're, they're going to hand it to Biden. And I still think they're going to do that, not because that's what I want to happen, by the way, because I don't. Um, but just the way that you look at the way the media has crafted all of 2020, um, where, I mean, they've been building up to this and we were, t- you know, we were talking about, you know, like climate change, right? They're building up uh, for years to censor any informa- anyone who tries to say that, well, based on the science, and I'm a climate science, the, the, they will say, you know, man-made science isn't happening. Or man-made climate change isn't happening. And they'll say a plenty, of, and then they'll get censored by the media who has no climate credentials, you know, these various scientists that do. And, oh, yeah, they're just outliers. They're just they're against the consensus, which everybody believes in until you find out there's thousands of scientists signing petitions saying, no, there is no evidence for man-made climate change and Mm -hmm. stuff. But anyway, so that's just the one example. We come to 2020 and it's the Rona and it's uh, absolute media determining what truth is and what it isn't selecting which experts will declare the truth and censoring no matter what their credentials anyone who says otherwise. And there's been plenty of top-level world epidemiologists who've come out and said lockdowns don't work, masks do not work, uh, this virus is not deadly, 
to most people in the general population. Um, it, it said, and you've got so many things. Asymptomatic transmission is nonsense based on nothing. And these are epidemiologists, guys with that training, and they're all censored. You can't have it, right? So now we have the election. That was just the warm-up for the elections where the media literally is telling you what is and isn't true, right? And it is in an all-out coup. And so that's that's kind of set the game. That's why I think that, you know, whatever happens in the courts, it's just going to be Biden is going to be pushed into the, you know, or fail forward or whatever it is. And they're going to say, well, he won anyway, because we've said so, and anything else is fake news. They'll censor the Supreme Court at this point, uh, if that's what they've got to do. And, you know, back with the Transition Integrity Project, uh, military was involved in that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the military doesn't end up playing a role one, uh, for one way or well, the other. Well, that's interesting, Ryan, sides, especially considering, which would be terrifying. considering the fact that the Secretary of Defense has resigned. Um, you have you, you have uh, the uh, top election official at the DOJ has resigned. Um, so th- there's there's a little bit of a shakeup going on. And somebody in the chat, Alberto, uh, says that Joe Biden should refer to himself as the president select. Yes. <laughs> well, because he has been selected. And I mean, elections, I, I, I've been on about elections being rigged. I think I said it on this program that I, I'm of the belief that. Uh, at least since 2004, all elections have been rigged, at least all federal elections mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, in, in, in history, too, elections have been rigged. I mean, historians generally agree the 1824 election was rigged to keep Andrew Jackson from getting into power. Uh, Jackson said, OK, and he went and built up a coalition so strong that they couldn't cheat. No amount of cheating could make him lose in 1828. So 1876, the election was stolen for certain. Um, and there's different times in history where you got questions about, and it was likely, and certainly 1960, again, it's well known that uh, Kennedy was only president because the democracy of the dead took place over in, in Illinois and other states like that. So it's, in you know, Nixon, and then what do they do? So they try to, as much as they hate Nixon, they always like to say, but Nixon respected the process and just didn't want to make people doubt the validity of elections. Yeah, right. Why the hell not? We just witnessed that, that they're not valid. So it's, it's one of those things that they try to get that, oh, well, he shouldn't, no matter what, the system is the most sacred thing. No, it isn't. Uh, but that's why well, it, we certainly religion. do. Uh, one of the things Americans have faith in is the electoral process. Brother, have we ever had free and fair elections in this country? <laughs> Well, I think Ryan said no, and then Steve said. (laughs) Mike made a joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so hey, Mike, Mike, you know on on Ryan's point about the military, what did what did Trump do that ticked off a lot of the generals? Well, oh, yeah, he war, he, he withdrew little, us from our total war. Last four years. No, I mean, look. Yeah, he didn't start one no, war. If you look at, they're if, all ticked. Yeah, they didn't get any money. No, that's a great point. If you look at the long line of presidents, starting from, you could start from Reagan. You go, you go, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, uh, Obama. For five consecutive administrations, we have been interventionists around the world, dropping bombs, deploying troops, intervening in other people's elections. Uh, uh, policing the world, Trump comes in and says, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, th- this empire is in decline. Let me just go ahead and land the plane and let's just re- retrench. He pulls us out of Afghanistan, which was a 14-year boondoggle. I was there. There was no 
clear path to victory. Nobody could even define what victory was. What was victory in Afghanistan? I still, to this day, uh, don't know. Keeping the opium flying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to, to stay alive. I, <laughs> it, it ultimately became a self-licking ice cream cone over there where uh, victory was defined as getting there and getting home and not losing anybody. That, that was the standard of victory because there was no other wow. objective standard of victory. So, so Trump, Trump pulls us out of, of endless wars, and you're right. A bunch of people, uh, including Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis, resigned in anger over that. Um, look, I'm not sitting here simping for Trump or anything, but at least – in in with with regards to de de escalating our the American empire around the world, um, that's something that he worked towards. And when and when I say this, when if Ryan and I knew about the TIP back in September, and you're sure Trump knew it when it came out in June July, another reason why you say that is what was it? Remember the first uh, debate when they asked him out of the blue, "Will you re- will you concede if you lose?" His- who asked that kind of question? That was in the TIP. Yeah. He already knew it. And he had a great answer, a great response. To everything else was kind of like all over the place, but he was on that one. So I think he yeah, he knows this game plan. Has been planning this thing since it came right. out. Okay, so this leads me to um, to okay. There are a couple ways to think about the current situation, the electoral debacle right now. Either Trump is part of the system, or he's an outsider. We all we all know that there is fraud and that selection appears to be being stolen. That's what they want us to see anyway. But the question is, is it being stolen with Trump's complicitness or is it being stolen because he's an outsider? And I think that fundamentally how you answer that question uh, uh, determines where you are on the issue. And a lot of traditional Catholics, Orthodox, John Paul II Catholics, whatever – are of the belief that Trump is an outsider. But I would, I would just submit to you questions. For example, is it possible to be an outsider and be a billionaire in the United States of America? Is it possible to be an outsider and have Hillary Clinton at your wedding, your third so-called wedding? Is it possible to be an outsider and be chummy with Jeff Epstein? Is it possible to be an outsider and win the presidency of the, of the United States? So I just challenge this fundamental underlying assumption that people make that Trump is, the, is fighting for us. He's the most pro-life president of all time. He's, uh, he's de-escalated war around the world, which is true. I think he has. Uh, it's, it's, is it a good thing that he's, that he's moving the, you know, uh, the embassy in Israel and brokering all these Mideast peace deals? You just go down the line, and we haven't got to the Magapoke yet. Uh, my question is, is it possible is it possible that he is truly an outsider? And I don't think anybody on this panel is going to say that it, it is possible. I don't my, – my view of it is nobody gets to that kind of position while being an outsider. Is that especially – not just that, but Trump – everyone talks about a great businessman Trump is. But if you know a little bit about the Trump empire in New York – and I'm from that area. I'm from Connecticut. I'm right in that area. I used to live in New York uh, in the city. And, you know, not, not for very long, but, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, Trump has gone from bankruptcy to bankruptcy to bankruptcy. And he has the very best Jewish lawyers in New York. And, and, and I'm Jewish, too, by the way. He's not, we're not going on the anti-Semite train <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. Uh, but when I say that, because there are, you know, lawyers in New York 
Jewish lawyers in New York, they have a lot of power. A lot of them have dual citizenship with Israel and the United States. They have a lot of money. They're very important. They have a lot of contacts. And so, again, that's one of the reasons why, you know, Trump is not an outsider. He is part of the, you know, the fabric of all the different threads that run the deep state in the system. Right. And so that that has gotten him from bankruptcy to bankruptcy and still managed to stay on top. He only does that because he's got the people who know how to play the system. Same thing with his taxes. He didn't cheat on his taxes. He didn't withhold taxes that he legally owed. He had got the people to play the system, which everybody does. Mm-hmm. And if anybody doubts that, I, I challenge you to go donate more money to the government and next time you pay your taxes. Give them more than you're supposed to. You won't do it. Neither did Trump. So he, they know how to do that. OK, and that's because... You know, he's not an outlier. And the same thing with everything else. And whether he's had some super conversion away from all that because he's seen it, you know, it's theoretically possible, but I don't find it particularly plausible. Okay. So, in, in, you know, my saying, uh, politics is show business for ugly people. It's not mine, but <laughs> I, I've adopted People it. in the live chat are asking, isn't there a third option, though, Steve? Isn't, the, isn't it possible that, okay, I accept your premise. It's unlikely that he was a total outsider. But once he... Once he came into power and saw the absolute hardcore corruption, he had a conversion, just like Archbishop Vigano had a conversion. Now we're being asked to believe that both of these two had hardcore conversions. It, it's anyone can have a conversion, he's, right? Yeah, he's done some good things. I mean, no one's no one in here. I mean, you hear people that criticize. They'll never say obviously. What people that you know are fans of one side or the other? I'll say Obama did some good things. He did. Bellman writes about it in his book on on governance that no ruler is 100% evil. That you there's no such thing as that. There's somebody's they're going to do good, they're going to do bad. Uh you're in DC, you're going to have uh influence somewhere somehow. Sure it might not be as big cuz he has money coming out of his eardrums, but uh in that sense he's an outsider because he's maybe can't be influenced by some of the policies, mm-hmm. but he probably is. On certain other ones, so but can't I, you, know, you guys acknowledge all the on? good things that Trump has done, especially for Catholics in America? I mean, what what about his what about his protection of of life? He, he's the first president to show up to the uh, to the March for Life. He's uh, he he issued a, an executive order with teeth on religious freedom. He stood for the Little Sisters of the Poor, etc. I mean, what what about all that? Cute. I mean, <laughs> great. I mean. I mean, my personal thing about the March for Life, which probably won't happen this year, is how how many years, decades has that thing been going on? Every time you get done, they go, hey, see you next year. In the yeah. back of your mind, you're like, are you guys considering trying to get to the point that we're never going to do this march again? Uh, if you focus on the states, you're ending it. But we keep focused on the, hey, cool, everyone, hey, let's go take photos outside the Jefferson Memorial. Blue, it's a party. Uh, I hate that march. I don't go to that march. Uh, he was at the march. Great. There's a lot of Protestants going to that thing anymore. Uh, Church Milton did a great thing a couple about eight years ago on how many, uh, uh, how pro-life are you? And they were talking about how people were pro-contraception, pro-gay marriage. Uh, so it was basically just a pro-birth thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides the point, I know I'll get some heat for that. I don't like going. I went, like I said, there's too many people having fun there. Uh, last I checked, uh, how many how many kids are getting slaughtered, and you're you're laughing and having a good time? So I I don't I don't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, all right. So he he talked at the march. 
great. B- babies were still getting killed afterwards. They'll be killed with uh, his reelection. They will be killed without his reelection. If our focus stays on the feds, which this is another problem we got going on, coming on, I'll talk about with the closers. There was closed downs during Trump. There'll be closed downs with Trump in the in the second reign. Or but what would you reign. say, Steve, to somebody who replied, well, at least Trump never mandated a federal mask mandate, which is what Biden's going to do. Trump never mandated a federal lockdown, which is what Biden's going to do. Trump at and least allowed the has... governors to hang themselves, and a lot of them did. Yeah, then that, that goes into the whole idea of politics on there. Trump is a politician. If people say that, if believe it or not, sure, he might have been an outsider when he won, he ain't an outsider now. He's been playing politics the last couple, definitely last couple of months. Remember the vote about, remember the tweet about, hey, vote for me and I'll end this uh, in Planned Parenthood's uh, money or, you know, whatever they're getting, federal mm-hmm. money. You could do that now, even though he didn't have the doesn't have the power to do that. Then he put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, I'll fire Fauci if you really like me. Do it now. Yeah, exactly. Why are you playing the politics on this? Um he yes, he was actually obeying the Constitution at that point about letting the governors do it. Now, if he comes back in the second, if he wins again, if he wins, and then tells the governors you can't do X Y Z, technically he's disobeying the Constitution. Now, become an authoritarian in this. If if Biden pulls this and tries to do it, you could actually kick him out, which will give you Kamala for disobeying the Constitution. He has no power. The eighteen enumerated powers he has has nothing to do with mandating mass he can't do that he can't shut down the union you the governor you said the can. word kamala and I, it triggered something some what somebody sent this to me uh to the rtf i think facebook page and this is something that no one else has i think mentioned so we're breaking it live on the rundown for the first time ever i had said before that kamala was actually the name of a hindu demon and that's true but I didn't know which demon it was. And it turns out it is the closest thing that the Hindus have to the Pachamama. No joke. The Mother Earth Pachamama Hindu demon is named Kamala. And that is this woman's name, and she is a Trojan horse. Don't we deserve that, though? Francis, Pachamama, Rome. Yeah, we get the leaders we deserve. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, too, is you have so much, and, and I've said before, uh, where, you know, I, I accept people are enthusiastic about Trump or look at him as a lesser of two evils. I get that. I don't blame anybody for voting that way. That's how they felt. But what I cannot understand are is the attempt to put Trump in quasi-religious language. He's God's anointed. He's a new Constantine. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. God may very well want Trump to win, and you will find out, actually, pretty soon if that's the way it's going to work. But you also have to be prepared for the fact that maybe God wants a president here, or is allowing a president Harris. Mm. Actually, I don't think he wants it at all, but he's going to allow that president Harris because maybe in the long run, that's actually going to be better for us in terms of persecution and all the bad stuff that's going to happen that is going to wake people up to the evils of the state. And if, you know, and you're, if you're not prepared for that, you need to get back, you know, to praying because sometimes God allows things that just don't seem very good to us. It's the whole story of Israel. <laughs> yeah, brother, can you can you distinguish yeah, like between that. the uh, active and passive will of Almighty God so that so that p- people don't walk away from the live stream thinking that God's sending us <laughs> Kamala, but but that He might actually be uh, allowing it to happen because all things work for the good. 
Exactly. Well, the active will of God is something that God actively wants. He wants you to become a saint. He wants you to pray. He wants you uh, to love your spouse. Uh, the passive will of God is something that God allows for some greater good. Like uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph, God allowed that he be sold into slavery. Um, and, it, and the whole purpose of, of that story in particular uh, in Genesis is, is that uh, Joseph was uh, rose to power in Egypt and was able to save food for, for his brothers uh, whenever there was time of famine. So it's not something that, you know, Joseph being sold into slavery wasn't something that God actively wanted, but he, he foreknew something, foresaw mm-hmm. something, um, permitted it to happen uh, for some greater good. Uh, but one, one word also on the March for Life, I just have to say this. Um, two, uh, two years ago, I was uh, a student at a college um, in the Midwest that was like 99.99% minorities, uh, whether it be Hispanics or African Americans, a lot of Burmese, um, Asians, all that kind of stuff. Um, I did a lot of fundraising so that uh, these students, it was, it was primarily for low-income um, people that usually couldn't afford college, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the college was, was dedicated to keeping uh, tuition low. Uh, it was like $6,000, $7,000 a year, and then plus lots of scholarship. Most of the students couldn't take out student loans, and so um, they were all paying for it out of pocket. Um, so I organized for the first time a, a trip to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. for these students, and I had to fundraise because I knew that money-wise they wouldn't be able to afford the trip themselves. So I was able to fundraise enough to where the, the students only had to pay like $10 in order to go uh, for those three days. Um, I took a survey before, before the March for Life, and the majority of them, it was like, you know, 70% of them were going just for the vacation, just for the vacation. A lot of them were, 70% of them were, were pro-choice. Um, they go experience the March for Life. Um, I took a survey afterwards, 0% were pro-choice afterwards, 0%. Um, and then, of course, after that, the pro-life club started at the school, all that kind of stuff, and they raised even more money the second year. So the March for Life does, have, you know, wake people up in a sense that, uh, people are bombarded by the media. They get a certain impression of reality by the media. The media tells them that being pro-choice is the choice to make. They go to experience something like the March for Life. The March for Life isn't necessarily to change the minds of the legislators. It's to form a culture. Um, and so that's kind of what um, these kids experienced. They, they saw that all the young faces there, all these people making this trip, all these people. Um, and they also heard the testimonies of a lot of people, too, there at the March for Life on the stage or whatever. Um, and it did impact, that, impact them. Um, so that's, that's one thing that's, that's good about the March for Life. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's whole, 100% terrible. I'm just saying that the, the point of it is... No, it's, it's, I mean, we, eventually there should be an end. You're right. Yeah. I mean, eventually, <laughs> eventually we should planning, solve this thing. There's a planning mode right after it's over. Hey, I'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly people can convert away from their pro-death position, and a lot of people are moved just by the truth and the science. They haven't put sufficient thought to the issue. They haven't realized that, you know, they're playing the role of Hitler, who's deciding who who lives and who dies and who's human and who's not and who gets rights and who doesn't have rights. And, you know, with sonograms, the window into the womb and all that, um, when you see a beating heart, it's it's pretty compelling. So in that sense, I think things like the March for Life are good because you can convert people away from the pro-death position. But it shouldn't be a party. Come on, man. Just to get back in the shutdowns of things, now everyone's focused on D.C. That's that's perfect. That one thing about the March for Life was that everyone's focused on D.C. D.C. is the only thing that can fix anything in most people's minds. District local local elections, nobody gives anything about. You look at you see all the excitement with just this election. 
if you had this much excitement at the local level, maybe you wouldn't be shut down. Like right now, governors in New York, Maryland, Minnesota, Iowa, Utah, and other states have imposed measures that the U.S. new daily case count, which we have a case pandemic, exceeded 144,000 on Wednesday. You have Louisiana, where, uh, where's, let's see here, uh, the, the Fuhrer of Louisiana just came out and basically told, it, he's basically the king, the emperor of Louisiana. Uh, he told the legislator, you have no power. Uh, you have, who else? North Carolina, who's where I'm at. He decided to, they basically said, shut down. You're not doing Thanksgiving. You have uh, Governor uh, Mayor uh, Beetlejuice in Chicago, who said, you're, you're down for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, LA is like that now. You're, was it Michigan? Is it Michigan? Who, who do I have up here? There was another governor that came out of Minnesota, was it? I uh, don't want to get that wrong. Hold on just one daggum second. I can't remember where I put him. There was a governor who came out said it's too dangerous to go outside. Yeah, that was Minnesota. Minnesota? And what's, you know, you got to be locked up inside. So if we get our focus away from your saviors in D.C. and start focusing on, and even getting people, and I'm, we're trying to put the program together uh, soon, to get each people in each state to start focusing on your local localities, as Ryan brought up last week, agorism, to think small in this. If you're looking at the big picture, fix DC. DC's gone. If you haven't figured that out after the last couple of weeks, I don't know what else you need need to happen. And your states are pretty much gone too. But you can at least got a chance to fix to fix your local. We've got folks in the we've got folks in the chat involved, who are in DC for- who are saying DC will never be changed. It will never be drained. We are immune to marches. We are immune to all of it. Rose, especially in the chat, is, t- is telling us this. So you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's it's part of the. You know, we've talked about this at different times, but that the kind of inversion where instead of being involved in local politics, we're, we're all invested in these national politics that not only can we not affect, they don't directly affect us, they'll indirectly affect us in this level or that one, but they don't actually affect us nearly as much if you have, like for example, if you have a sheriff, your sheriff is top dog. Right, unless your your state has gotten rid of those, and you know, in a kind of not like in Connecticut, for example. So, if you have a sheriff and you have federal agents coming in and pursue a Biden mask mandate, the sheriff can literally arrest them and kick them out and say, "No, you're not enforcing that here." He can actually legally do that. So, that's the. Uh, that's the power that you know a constitutional sheriff has. And so, if you're wondering why are my businesses being threatened with closure if they don't enforce some stupid mask policy, it's because you've got police that are willing to enforce mm-hmm. it for for city hall. And likewise, if you if you got you know a good few thousand people in your community outside of city hall protesting every day, uh, you know the local the local officials know they can be unseated far more easily than a senator or a congressman usually hold on to those jobs until they're dead. So then they'll back off. I mean, just recently, Post Falls, Idaho, right, where where I'm broadcasting out of right now, uh, refused to enact a mask mandate. Even though they did one in Coeur d'Alene and the governor has been pushing everyone to do it, they said, no, we're not going to do it. Um, You know, mostly because they know the entire town's going to give them the finger. But, you know, beside that, it can be 
done because they know nobody's going to stand for it over here. Well, just just on uh, that point, it was uh, it really bothered the left last night when Justice Samuel Alito gave a speech uh, to some, you know, law school club or something in, in D.C. in which he said that, you know, this this ruling by the experts, so-called, like the Fauci's of the world that we're going through is unprecedented in the history of the United States. The the restrictions that we've seen in 2020, he said, we've never before seen them. So he's very much signaling the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States might be poised to uh, to strike down these unconstitutional lockdowns, just like the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania did. Not holding my breath, but that would certainly be nice. And but that was set a bad precedent for federal the feds to take down the states one more time. The states can pull, the states can do this as unpopular as that is. The states can do that. That's y'all's fault for putting the people in that state. Don't look at don't look don't go for the mafia to come bail you out. You screwed up in each state. Own it. Get in there and fix it. Don't look for the feds to come out and bail you out. Because what happens when Biden's team is now the feds? You, were you going to say now the feds can't do mm-hmm. that because you don't like the guys in charge? It don't work that way. You set up a precedent. It's over. Uh, there's a great you know, that reminded me of when Ryan was talking about with uh, Lo, uh, Idaho. Everybody heard of Charles Carroll of Carrollton. No Freemace, all that stuff. Not talking about that. They had a, there was a great story of an unpopular bill being passed. And he got a great group of people together and put the bill in a coffin, tied the coffin, hung the coffin in a tree, and they shot it for a few hours. And they left the coffin on the front of the, of the lawn of the governor's house. And shocking, the bill got rescinded. <laughs> so it talks. They didn't go to D.C. to try to get them. They took care of their own backyard. Nathan, you got to start thinking. Yeah, uh, you got to act local. Uh, that's one of your. If if I were to say one of your themes, Steve, uh, every week, that's definitely one of them. And uh, we got to keep hitting that drum beat as well. Okay, we've covered the McCarrick report, the election fiasco, the lockdown 2.0 that is coming soon to a diocese near you sadly um final story today the poke the maga poke can't say the v word certain words we can't say if you want rtf to continue to exist which i personally do although mrs rtf would be happy if rtf went away not gonna lie about that guys she would be very pleased but the poke is coming regardless the poke is happening it's already been it's already been announced who tweeted about it saying how jacked he was about the, the pokey? Uh, I don't know. President Trump. President Trump. 90% success. By the way, we talked about this from the Forbes magazine uh, article well, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. When was this thing day? Uh, yeah, September 23rd. So we talk, it's now well, November 13th. So almost two months we've talked about this before. Pfizer is even smaller in its success requirements. Their initial group included 32 vaccine recipients with a success margin of seven or less developing symptoms compared to the 25 in the control group. 90% is what you're told. That's all they, they just told you, 90% success out of those numbers. What, six got a success out of seven? 
So <laughs> when they say 90%, ask, ask questions. What were that? And then you think about Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, sold millions in stock the same day of the vaccine or the pokey reveal. All right. You've said the V word twice now. It's over. This is the very last live stream on RTF. Um, he dumped more than 132,000 shares. So I did, I, did a, I did a quick little Twitter poll, two-day Twitter poll, got like 400 votes on it, so a better sample size than what Pfizer was able to come up with. And something like 90-plus percent of the respondents said that they would not take the poke uh, under any circumstances. And sorry, I, you guys, your windows are bouncing around and it's really distracting me. I'm sorry about that, but I don't know why. Brother, you're bouncy today. This is just an OBS <laughs> thing. It's just part of the software. Ass, right? I don't know. I don't understand it. Um, Do you need me to throw a chair or something just to, to, to balance it all I, that out? That would be great. Yeah. And then we could all kind of shout, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Um, Have you seen the 60 Minutes report? There it is. There it is. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, my point is is that the pokey, the pokey has already been created. Now we know that our survivability of this current chastisement is ninety nine point nine nine six percent, regardless of what some of the talking heads, even the so called trads on Twitter, think. Um, that's just a statistical fact. Um, the pokey. Why would you need a pokey to 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 save you from something like that? It's like taking the chicken pox pokey, right? And um, the the point is is that I know a lot of people who are watching right now. We got hundreds of people watching right now, and we'll have we'll have thousands of views on this video, I'm sure. Lots of you, lots of you are MAGA people. I voted for Trump both times, but Operation Warp Speed is from the devil. It's it's absolutely from the pits of hell. It is designed to bring to deliver something into our bloodstream that should not be there and it and it is derived it is derived from illicit means period so you have to make a distinguish those of you who are all in on in mega land you have to make a distinguish uh r brother uh maybe you can jump in on voting for the lesser of two evils but recognizing that something from the gates of hell has been unleashed upon us. And it doesn't matter who wins the presidency in the end. It will de facto become mandatory. If you don't have the pokey, you can't shop here. If you don't have the pokey, you can't enroll in this university. If you, if you can't demonstrate that you've been poked, you can't worship here. You can't work here. So it may not come down from on high from, from uh, Emperor Biden or Harris or Trump, but de facto, it's going to be mandatory to participate in the economy. Yeah. It's quite the unpopular opinion, Mike, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're, you're onto something for sure. Um, I mean, you recognize an evil as an evil. I mean, if you vote for the lesser of the two evils, but I mean, uh, buckle in and get ready to fight um, because we, we still can't participate in things that are evil. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, we're talking about a slow destruction of the economy, which in turn will affect families, how they're raised uh, and whatnot. Uh, there's going to be some serious decisions that each family is going to have to make uh, you know, regarding this vaccine. And they, of course, they announced the success of this pokey so-called uh, 
uh, days after the election. And and that's 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 kind of what they do. They knew they knew actually that this pokey was ninety percent effective, supposedly whatever, um, weeks months before the election, and they wait until afterwards to announce it. It's all gamesmanship. It's all brinksmanship. And the fact of the matter is, yeah. Ryan, now you've got nanotechnology. Um, who knows what's in this thing? It's certainly derived HIV from a strain Here, of. Here's an article from sciencealert.com that warning that uh, several coronavirus vaccine candidates, including this 97%, you know, effective uh, one from Pfizer, uh, are, are, you know, will put people, especially men, it says in this article, at greater risk for contracting HIV-1. The reason is that, <clears throat> as they explain it, the pokies require a vehicle of sorts to deliver them, reading from this article, to deliver them to their required locations. This is called a vector. Some concern. Several coronavirus uh, pokey candidates are using adenoviruses as these vectors, mm -hmm. for, uh, et cetera. So, you know, adenoviruses are usually harmless aside from causing colds in other, in other pokies and have successfully used different modified versions of them as, as vectors without any evidence of increased risk. But for candidates... Coronavirus can, uh, pokey candidates are using this vector you know, with the adenoviruses. And so the, the article goes on in a 2014 review led by immunologist Anthony Fauci, director of, of uh, National Institutes of, of Health, etc. Recommend, uh, he, he recommended caution when using this vector in vaccines for re regions with HIV prevalence. The important safety consideration should be thoroughly evaluated, he said, before any further development. And this was uh, reported from the Lancet. Well, he's not talking too much, uh, too much caution right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little bit. The article goes some instances in, in, in um, why this is a concern and why you know the more and more study has to be shown. Now we look at these warp speed pokies that they're producing, and you know there has not been any kind. There's no evaluation of how the people are six months to even a year down the road, and I've said this before, the biggest single problem with the way it's all set up now is that Merck and Pfizer and all the people who make the pokies, they're completely not liable for anything they do. So they could literally put anything they want out there, and it could do nothing whatsoever except make you sicker. And they will still make billions upon billions, even, you know, and if it's worldwide use, trillions of dollars. And they are not liable for anything that happens to it. And that is really the problem. I mean, can you imagine any kind of medicine, any kind of, you know, uh, you know equipment that you would use where mm -hmm. the company is not liable for errors known on their side that, that cause death? I mean, imagine a car that they know will just burst spontaneously combust on the road. Yeah. Uh, because, and they know this is a, a pro, this is a feature. <laughs> And uh, they say, well, we'll just wait till the insurance gets um, bad enough and then we have to, you know, it's really going to hurt us to fix it, do a recall. Uh, if they know about that, they will be liable, right? So what, however they deal with it, they're not going to just let that go on indefinitely because right, they'll right. be, you know, sued. But Pfizer and Merck and all these things, and speaking of Merck, one of Merck's uh, lawyers is uh, Kamala Harris, uh, according to Siri, president-elect Kamala Harris's husband is a lawyer for Merck. So, you know, they're all tied in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and we don't... The companies that produce the, the, the pokey. 
we don't even have to go into really the uh, the incestuous relationship between the Gates Foundation, the the link to the Fauci family, and then as you said, the the Harris family, even Pelosi's family. We talk about the pokey, uh, Steve. Without you, and I'm glad you came back because <laughs> I want to transition into something else involving. Well, my brother, that. my brother just passed through, and uh, uh, so I was, I was saying I will go back and say bye to him in a minute. But yeah, did you, did you guys bring up the uh, the Biden team, COVID team. Yeah. No, well, we no, we that. didn't hit that got, real quick. I was pontificating on pokies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I heard what you said towards the end. I'm going, oh yeah, there would be that's a good way to get into the tri- uh, the the terrible team of hell, basically, with mm-hmm. Dr. Julia Marotti, who's with the Gates Foundation, Dr. Cecile Gounder, who was uh, where she is. she was uh, act director of delivery of the Gates Foundation again. Uh, Miss Lois Pace, uh, she was gifted $2,500 at the Gates Foundation. Dr. Eric Goolsby, uh, it just goes on. What we can include in the show notes, Last America Vagabond had it up from uh, uh, Derek Bros. Yeah. Dr. Lucina Broro. But the kicker was Dr. Zeke Emanuel. Remember, don't let a crisis go to waste, Emanuel. That's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And what did he say about the shutdowns? Eighteen COVID nineteen will be around for quote eighteen months, and the American public quote will not be able to return to normalcy until a vac- uh, the poke or uh, effective medications. We have no choice. Uh, he wants mandatory mask in public. All that nonsense. So yeah, that's uh, we're in for a good ride. Yeah, and and again, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but this is truly significant to our lives. This is coming soon in the spring of 2021. It doesn't matter who's president. Now, look, Donald Trump has announced to you, he has announced, he has put it on Twitter, he's put it in writing, that, that your choice in this election is between a lockdown or a safe vaccine. That's I, he, he said that, not me. He has also announced that he's using... The armed forces of the United States to distribute this vaccine because FedEx just isn't fast enough. So, again, I just I, I look, I, I want Trump to win. I don't want Biden to win. I voted for Trump. But I also know that there's a good likelihood that I will live to regret that decision either way. And, Mike, and that's what I need. And that's what my call to everyone is to is to be Catholic first and political party affiliated second distant second and mike i'll send you the thing to put in the show notes from 60 minutes general gus perna have you seen that interview no they have what he, he comes out and says they had eight thousand. what is it was the right number they're ready to go on the race said execute we're ready to go here it is so once they say execute how fast can you get it out there they're talking about the the pokey and it said 24 hours and he goes, uh, the, uh, the interviewer, David Martin, how many have stockpiled? Uh, 88 million shots. Operation Warp Speed has 88 million shots. How do you do that? And later on, it basically says they're going to basically track people for a couple of years. Meaning what? What, is, what happens usually with these trials? It usually takes a couple of years to figure out there's something wrong. That's you're right. now the guinea pigs. That's right. <laughs> And 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 if you're if you're a Catholic who says you know I'm I'm all in on Magatrain and I don't believe I think he's just posturing I think he's just saying what he needs to say to get in and you know what this pokey is for other people it's not for me this pokey is for other people it's not for Catholics 
I mean, that's that's pretty insidious too. You've already been conditioned to despise mm-hmm. human life at that point because yeah. you're willing to subject other people who are not Catholic to something that's going to kill or sterilize them. Uh, but as long as you and your family are safe, a, a- okay, right? I mean, right. is that really a Catholic no. view point of no. view, Brother no. Martin? No. No. Not by our active agency. It's one thing. That, oh, sorry, you said Brother Martin, and I broke it. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Right. No, we probably agree. Same opinion. I mean, it's. Uh, no, I mean, I forgot the question. Sorry. <laughs> is it moral, basically, to say, yeah, give him a vaccine that's going to make him sterilize them or, or cause oh, absolutely not. and, and uh, let the, the non-Catholics get it, which I find, frankly, horrific. So, <laughs> I mean, this has always been the case. I mean, especially, I think I've mentioned this once before in the rundown, that uh, the African bishops, when back during Obama's administration, when there was the Ebola crisis or whatever, even had to tell their own people, it's like, Hold, hold off on taking this vaccine from the United States because the United States is de- definitely uh, – well, it's believable that they would put sterilizations and stuff in, in these vaccines. I mean now mm-hmm. more than ever, I think we're, we should all be cautious regarding vaccines. I think now uh, scientists are, are, are suggesting that vac- vaccines cause ADHD, other things, you know, other, other side effects in children. Um, you can debate the science all you want. Uh, but I think now more than ever, we should exercise extreme caution. Now, if, for those who are saying that I, I would rather die than get poked, you're all wearing the mask. You've already lost. Super I mean, says they, my, my, my wife brought this up the other day. I thought it was brilliant. I don't know if we've ever said it. By the time in Nazi Germany that you were wearing the star as a visible symbol on your body, you had lost. It was over. It was over. Return to Tradition is in the chat right now, Anthony Stein, and he asks, but didn't Francis say that masking makes us holy? Didn't that mean that we must obey and sing Kumbaya while doing so? Otherwise, we're in... (laughs) I think Cardinal Stupich is the one that said that, though. There's we got sanitizers, a sacramental, now the mask is a vestment. The mask is a vestment. Oh, that's a good one, Steve. I'd heard you say that before. It can, it can also be, we're in superstition mode since it's 13th of Fe, uh, Friday 13th. So why not have a superstitious mask to go with the superstitious sanitizer? We can throw right. out the real faith. We got superstition now. Well, I said COVID's a religion. It really is becoming a religion. And you have to show your, you see people talking about this. Well, you know, you, you should have a mask because it's a good sign to everyone else. And uh, right. and we're all doing the, the whole group thing, just like you see in cults. We're all wearing these white garments for our suicide cult that we're going to do. Right? How uh, pro-life yeah, are you up. if you're not wearing the mask, right? Exactly. How pro-life are yeah. you if you don't get the pokey? You know, everyone's got to do this, even though they admit it's political theater. And it's obvious at this point it's political theater. I'm sorry, folks. The media keeps running out with their scaremongering on the cases. The cases keep coming up. We are 95% mask compliant in this country. People like us that refuse to wear them, I have not worn it once since this entire thing started. I refuse to utterly. And it's, uh, you know, we're in the vast minority. Most Americans, whether because they're afraid of the legal consequences or they're all in, they are wearing a mask, and mm-hmm. yet the cases keep coming. It's not doing anything, right? It, it, either the you know the cases are BS, the mask really is doing something, or the cases are real and the mask is BS. Well, I just want to know pick, if the same people who are counting place, votes are counting the number of cases. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're, clearly we're a nation basis. that doesn't know how to count anything. Right. Well, and then you've got even Fauci said that when with a PCR test, if you're cycling it for more than 35 cycles, that the whole test becomes invalid. And in all the data that the governments are releasing, they're cycling these things 45 times, uh, some of them around 50, which makes, again, all the data is pretty much worthless. Actually, so I say the third option is both the masks and the, the cases and the numbers are all BS. So and we're in flu season. And what do you know? Where's the flu numbers? So Those I just want to aren't being counted, just like Trump votes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So okay, one more thing, just on the poke, and then we can move off of the poke. And I think I said it very clearly. I have to be very careful which language I use here because RTF will be will die on Friday the thirteenth, twenty twenty, if we if we misspeak. So it's it's a little risky going live and talking about this stuff for all those out there who want us to to say the words that we're not supposed to say. The manner in which this poke is derived is illicit it is derived from human dna period and every single variant of it is it is wicked it is from hell and we cannot comply with it period all right that's been said what is what the claw swab say about it maybe you need we don't know maybe you need to do it every year that was his direct quote. It's right up, right in his on their, web, on their website. Maybe you have to do it every year. That's not a that's not something like you usually get. That's something, and then on top of that, you got the tracking devices coming out, the apps. There's another app coming out right now for the United States. Yeah, yeah, and the intermingling with human DNA and animal DNA. It's it's despicable, disgusting, and it it cries out for. Uh, it cries out to the justice of God is what it does. Um, so that's, that's that. All right. And plus once this stuff is in your body, it's going to keep replicating. Uh, I imagine this RNA sequence they're using for these, uh, RNA vaccines. Somebody owns a patent on that. I would imagine, uh, if this stuff is replicating our bodies, does that mean they now own a percentage of our bodies? Does it go up every year when we get the vaccine? Or are we now required to get it by law because we're no longer our own property, but the property of, say, Merck or Pfizer or their investors or Fauci or whatever? <laughs> I mean, it's it's the legal consequences are pretty insidious when you consider the laws and the way they've been applied and upheld in court for genetically modified organisms. Yeah, exactly. I want to I want to try to uh, uh, give people something to hang their hats on at this point because we've gone through a lot of stuff, guys. We've talked about the corruption in, at the top level in the Vatican. The the McCarrick report came out, four hundred fifty pages of just garbage that uh, that it's very difficult to read, very emotional. Uh, we've got a stolen election that we're watching right now. Um, we don't even know who, who's, an, who's an insider, who's an outsider. We've got lockdowns coming soon, churches closing, um, gift shops open, but churches closed, especially in Santa Fe, uh, where they can't even preach longer than five minutes because they might spread the, the uh, pestilence. And now we've got this, this, this poke that is from hell that is unleashed, and it will become mandatory for all of us, regardless of who wins. So this is all a string of bad news. Brother Martin, what, what is a good Catholic to do in 2020 and 2021 in the face of all of this bad news? Focus on the only thing that matters, getting to heaven and as many other people there as possible. 
for me in my response. Um, I mean, with the in the theological crisis that's going on in the church, with the moral crisis, McCary report, all that stuff, um, political crisis, everything you just mentioned. My response was to start a monastery. To me, it's really one of the things that makes most sense uh, for those with families. Uh, become more intentional about your prayer life. Pray the rosary together. Uh, study the Catechism of the Council of Trent. Read some of the books published by Mediatric Express. Um, <laughs> hang around other like-minded Catholics who uh, want to get get to heaven. I mean, a long life isn't what we're living for. Um, the beatific vision is what we're living for. Um, so the more you pray, the more you'll have peace uh, regarding all those circumstances that could come up. Uh, because, you know, I mean, if you're in the state of grace, mm-hmm. uh, everything's all right. Amy Francesca, one of our top fans in the chat, agrees with you. She says the best way to combat the evil, become a saint. There you go. There you go. How can we become a saint, uh, Ryan, in in times like this? Is this the worst that it's ever been? I'd, I'd love you to draw some historical perspective for us because it all seems lost right now to a lot of people. It does, but if we go back in time, all right, let's imagine you're just you're, you're in this nice, idyllic, central Italian village, and you do your planting. Life is hard. You work hard, but uh, you know you have, you have good weather. Uh, you know, nice enough place to live. Good wife and family. All of a sudden, um, French troops and uh, papal troops in the pay of uh, Cesare Borgia, the, the Pope's nephew, uh, recorded another tale of his son, but really his nephew, comes in and steamrolls your whole village because it's actually under a warlord that technically owns it uh, from the wrong family. And now you got to watch your wife and daughters be raped, and uh, you're going to get beaten within an inch of your life. And uh, everything's ripped away from you, and... Uh, What's actually the Pope and his nephew's fault, Alexander VI and uh, Cesare Borgia. Um, and, uh, or let's imagine again, too, that, um, you know, all the horrible disasters, and, and, and of course, in the, like the Renaissance, it was worse than the Middle Ages but in terms of life expectancy, uh, you know, property ownership till the Black Death comes along. Mm-hmm. And after that changes a bit. But so historically, things have been pretty bad um, in that way. And uh, but again, what what happens is that there's there's always really bad stuff that goes on in in society and culture, and God ultimately is going to take control of what happens, especially when you're getting an alternative media, you're getting away from the mainstream media, the must flee TV that that is, and you start getting into you know people who are laying out, and it's pretty dire what's being laid out, um, that you know the, the direction irrespective of whether you believe in international cabal or you believe it's all the Jews or you believe it's all this or whatever you're going to stick in as the boogeyman for whatever conspiracy theory you're going to follow, the reality is the world is going in this direction toward eugenics, Orwellian state you know, control, and it's going to be pretty bad. Just remember, uh, we're still live on Restoring the Faith, and we yep. don't want it to go away. All right, keep, keep going. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm not, like I say, whatever conspiracy theory somebody wants to posit, and I'm not saying any of those are true or right, but what, whoever it is, that's mm-hmm. where the world is going. So how do you get out of it? Well, mm-hmm. we ourselves can't do anything. I'm, and, and, and we mentioned this last week. You know, you're not going to beat an Abrams tank. You're not going to beat uh, even your local police run up in an armored personnel carrier with their SWAT team. You're not going to beat that. And, and nobody should expect to. Rather, what are you going to? You're trying to beat out the devil. 
And the, the first thing is not to lose hope, even if it's going to get very bad, because it will. And ostensibly, uh, if you want it, basically, it's going to come down to this. If you want to live the nice, comfortable, happy life that Americans have been living for quite some time, you're going to have to go get the pokey and you're going to have to wear a mask. If you want to live where you're free and you have food that's not going to kill you and you're not eating super overprocessed, fake plant-based meat uh, that is so, so bad for you, it's not even funny, and you want to eat real meat and so on and so forth, you're going to have to be forging relationships with other people that produce it. You're going to have to be living uh, without most of what we have today. You're going to have to start making sacrifices. And that should be looked at, actually, as the material side to the spiritual, where oftentimes we're lukewarm, oftentimes we're not really devoted to prayer, devoted to our Lord, we're really devoted to what makes us happy. And we do some prayers at night and in the morning and, and call it call it good. And, and we're all guilty of this to one extent or another, that we all have a day as laymen where, you know, we, we just we just start skipping the stuff we're supposed to do as we get busy and we forget. And like, oh, yeah, but we need to take it to the next level. We need to not have those days. So the mm-hmm. good news is, ultimately, there is a solution to all the bad that we are looking at, and that's God. God is going to uh, step in and stop this kind of Orwellian destruction of, of humanity, Right. But in the meantime, and even after when that happens, we have to be prepared for the fact that we're going to have to sacrifice things. And if we're not prepared for that, then you might as well go get the pokey because that's the only way you're going to be able to maintain a rich, comfortable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You got Derek um, Rose in Mexico if, with the Vagabond. He's come up with these freedom cells, too. And he's got a good idea that basically Ryan touched on a couple times. And if you ever read the book John Senor restoration of a Christian culture, it mentions that too, but he's not coming from a, from a Catholic angle or a Christian angle in general. But talks about, you know, either leave where you're at now and get to places that, you know, good on the faith, good on life, etc., where you can grow, create these little communities that are, you know, like they did in Georgia a couple of weeks, months ago, or fix your location. You can fix your location. You can fix your local parish. You can go out convert everyone in your neighborhood. There is a reason why no in in this area there weren't that many people after first Friday first Saturday mass. First Friday mass wasn't packed. All this stuff going on, we weren't busting down the church doors. Well, I mean, we and that's a great point because uh, Our Lady of Fatima told us that all this would happen. We need to take refuge in her immaculate heart. We never got the consecration of Russia right. Uh, we need to continue to pray for that. But c- can we not observe the first Fridays and first Saturdays? Can we not do the nine consecutives? Can we not? Uh, can we not do what we're supposed to do so that we can at least have peace in our lives and our hearts? I, I I go to first Friday first Saturday. I I don't see anyone there even now. Uh, what more do you want? You got the McCarrick report. You got earthquakes and tornadoes and and all kinds of natural disasters happening around the world. You have an economic calamity right now. You have a stolen election. You have lockdowns happening. You are about to lose mass. And here on we just last weekend first Friday first Saturday, uh, you could I mean you could have heard a pin drop. Mm-hmm. Guys, we need to get this right, don't we? And some of the people that are not. Not present at those first Friday, first Saturday masses, and I've seen this in real life, are the people who are big, constantly reading books in the Third Secret, fake Sister Lucy, fake yeah. this, this didn't happen, whatever. You know, they're, they're all up in all the lore 
Uh, and I'm not going to make judgment on the, those particular elements of lore, but that's all they're reading. They're onto it. They don't show up at first Saturday mass. They they don't make nine consecutive nines for Saturdays, which and they they're not even consistent in the rosaries. I've known a few people that unfortunately were in that. They're not even consistent with that, but they're always reading. They're always doing the apparition chasing, as it were. And, uh, you know, rally because, again, it's taking things from a material side. And when you do that, you're really doing like some of our worst criticisms of the Pope. Are he's talking about the poor this and the poor that and the poor this and government needs to solve this problem. And it's never about the religious side of it. Why is it we want to relieve the material suffering of the poorest because we want them to be in a situation where they, you know, alleviate that extreme poverty so they can think of their final end. And, you know, we kind of see a similar, like, inversion when we get focused purely on what's happening on this natural level. And we don't develop that spiritual life. And and it's take, like, Fatima doing all this material worrying about it, and which has its valid research, by the way. I'm not saying nobody should be doing that. But then not doing the very thing Our Lady said to do. Nine first Saturdays, the rosary. It's a great point. When Steve comes back, I want to talk about some of the practical things that we can be doing as well just to prepare because uh, Steve Steve has been given some information as well in terms of like you know what truckers are going to be doing starting next week and how that might reverberate. You've already touched on it a little bit, Ryan, in terms of uh, being prepared to, to uh, conduct commerce in a ex- hyper-local way um, and perhaps even devoid of, of U.S. currency. Um, I, look, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and fearmonger and tell people that the U.S. dollar is going to collapse or whatever. Eventually, it will because you can't have forty trillion dollars of debt on any right. currency. Well, um, and it's going to turn into debt coin. It's going to be a digital currency that they can shut off whenever they want to. Like if you don't get your vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and if and and we're going to have social you know scores just like they have in China. If you know if you're caught without a mask, then that's a demerit on you. And they have facial backed by facial recognition, which is in a lot of public places now already. Um, and and a lot of people yep. you know put their put their face out on Facebook, Fedbook as you call it. Um, and and gl- willingly provide that to the to to the NSA and CIA etc. So um, it, it, the, the things are just not going to get better. And I think that you know, and uh, this is something that we just need to be prepared for. And if you, you you can you can react to that in one of two ways. And I've I've seen this. I can see Steve is in his office, so hopefully he'll he'll jump in here. You can either put your head down in the sand and pretend wish it away. And say, I, that's, a, that's an ugly thought. I don't want to think about that. Or you can react to it in a, in a, in a realistic and Catholic way and say, I'm, I'm going to make reasonable preparations for myself and my family. Am I saying that you need to stockpile all these things and guns and gold and all that stuff? I don't know. That's a personal decision that you can make. I've made my decision um, on that. But we are literally witnessing, and hopefully Steve can jump in because he's got the details on this, the, tr- the long-haul truckers in America are about to go on strike. What does that mean to the Catholic family out there? What does that mean? It means you're not going to get Amazon Prime. It means you're not going to get deliveries. And it means ultimately over time, your grocery stores are not going to be delivered to. Now, look, I, again, I'm, I don't want to sound like an extremist here. But if this does happen, if, these, if the long-haul truck drivers who are all you know, essentially pro-Trump, they're independent contractors, they get paid by the mile, um, and they don't want to deliver stuff anymore because they see a, an election stolen and they want to, they want to exercise, you know, their political voice. That has, that has repercussions, right? Well, huge. 
uh, your grocery, when the trucks stop rolling, your grocery store shelves empty. And, you know, and, and they will be empty. And, and then all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, no, oh, no, I wasn't ready. And then you walk in. And that's why it's always good to have at least a couple of months, really six months. But if nothing else, just a couple of months food, it, really, that's what we everybody should have that much stored up that they can then, you know, turn out and start using and that when the, when the shelves go empty. But because we, we haven't had those kind of disruptions in the past, most people don't have that particular habit. And then they panic by, and you see things like with the toilet mm-hmm. paper, you can't get any. Um, and, and, and it's another thing that uh, if you didn't learn last time and have a supply on hand, well, uh, you know, let, let's enjoy, uh, you know, paper bags or whatever else you're going to get for that. But that's the real thing you're going to see is that then products you need, goods you need, you're not going to get them. They all come by truck or, you know, airmail to a truck or whatever else you get. So, I mean, that's also going to affect me. I'm going to have a very difficult time getting books to people. And so I might have to come up with some creative things to get around that. The farmers can't sell their food. People can't sell. And so, I mean, it's it's not just that we can't get stuff, but in the meantime, it also destroys businesses as well. Mm -hmm. And so even when truckers come back from strike... Is there going to be any businesses left to do business with? Mm-hmm. And and it can be said too that this is exactly what the Great Reset wants. They want us to become serfs of the state, dependent on a universal basic income. They want to deprive. They want to break down the supply chains and the food supply and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I know that that sounds very conspiratorial. I know that that sounds crazy. But these people publish their plans. They publish their plans, and this is what mm-hmm. they want. Anyway, yeah, twenty thirty, and you own nothing, and you love it. Supposedly, yeah, that's right. Well, we're gonna make you you'll own anyway. nothing, and you'll be happy. That's their new. That's their advertisement. Right. Twenty thirty. Yeah, you'll own nothing, and you'll be happy. They're they're gonna create a dystopian false uh, reality on Earth because they don't believe they disbelieve in the afterlife, etc. Here's a terrifying thought. Yes, most people will be happy as long as they have their streaming porn, and they have their their video games that they can play endlessly, and they're not that much is demanded of them in whatever job they've been assigned to clean the silicon of the machines or whatever, um, you know, all the AI that now rules them or whatever it ends up being. So most people will, in fact, embrace it and and love it, you know, then until something bad happens in their life. But as long as those things are in place to distract them. And I think the central planners know that. And that's why they're playing for all the marbles right now, because you have a generation that's come out of public schools. Yeah. Right? And if this country, if it, I'm sure it's the same in many other countries, too, been trained, raised to be communist. I mean, I, I came out of public schools in the 90s, and I was trained to be a communist. I had to undo all that communist thinking, you know, it, in the part of the process from college and onward, you know, to... to because that's why public school trains you. And now you've got the tech that keeps you locked in. And, uh, you know, and so for most people, you, know, you have pornography free on the Internet to anybody who wants to watch it. You have uh, all these different things to constantly distract you. And I, I think it, you know, in a lot of people, they're, oh, man, if only I could just play these things. Um, and then they'll come out and say, you can. Yeah. Just in the control of information. You live here and... Um, and, and the whole breakdown in human society that we're going to see as a result, um, I have a talk that I do not have online yet, and I just I have to clean it up a little bit because it gets into some some odd things. But on uh, the nature of you know the relations between men and women and how that 
build civilization, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The natural family unit, the natural sexual desire that men and you know, women have builds society. And I'd go through Plato's symposium on this point, actually, and uh, to talk about different things and how in, in, in the end of that talk, I gave it at a college a couple of times um, locally here. And at the end of it, I bring up, uh, you know, not just the studies that show, you know, how porn makes it difficult for men and women both to to enter into healthy relationships. But then sex robots, that's the next thing. It's like, you know, Drudge puts it up there as kind of like his little eye candy to get his clicks and everything. But they really are. <laughs> I'm going to mute your microphone, that. right? <laughs> well, they have that in Japan. Yeah, they do. Sex, I mean, they, they are literally putting this type of stuff in, which is basically... Um, you know, solitary sex, you know, acts with with the machine is what it is, but it'll get it'll make it. So what's the result of this when this is widespread and this is what, you know, people can get when they're 16, 18, maybe whatever. maybe Pope Francis was referring to those robots like, and he hopes that those robots yeah. don't turn on. us. <laughs> it could be. Um, but this is the concept. Men are not going to strive to do uh, heroic things to do to get outside of themselves to achieve things, and when men stop achieving things or trying to achieve things, because this is what has to happen in order to get married, you have to be worthy of respect. Woman has to respect you to want to marry you, and if you're not capable even of achieving anything, you're not going to get there. So that society will fall apart literally, and then you'll just be drones to be controlled. Steve, we're just talking about a couple practical things. And uh, and I I did want you to jump in on uh, we we talked Sorry. about being hyper local, preparing your economy. Um, the truckers are going to strike. The sh- the the food shelves may be empty. You are very much spun up on the control of information. What social media is planning? The dead switches. Can you just can you brief us on that? Um, just so everyone ha- all cards are on the table. We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh. Yeah. Uh, well, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There actually has been EMP talk. Uh, you can look on Last American Vagabond. There was an interview on that, and they're not just talking about just your random talk. There's the floor of Congress. There's two states. One, including South, is South Carolina that's producing uh, EMP-proof areas. Uh, this they're talking about is something happening during the inauguration. No idea if that's going to happen or not, but. There was, there's a lot of weird things going on, especially everyone was upset about the YouTube thing that went down the other day for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't see any of that happening because that kills the 5G idea of needing that for the Great Reset. They need the AI. They need that for all this stuff to work. So I don't really see that happening. It would be good for the Internet to, to come crumbling down, maybe get back in the prodigy area so that the uh, reset doesn't happen. These robots don't take over AI, etc. I know that sounds bad, but... We can live without Facebook if uh, uh, we don't want this AI takeover, the fourth industrial revolution to happen. It's ha- it's going to happen this year in the United States or four years later. Uh, again, with the great with uh, Biden bringing us back into the Paris Accord, social media. You see all these people jumping off Facebook to go to Parler or MeWe and all this. They got the same terms of service. Yeah. Uh, if you really don't want to do it, just don't get on social media. Parlor is uh, even worse because if you uh, they require you to submit your driver's license, I mean, come on, how can yeah. that? How is that not a, a federal data collection asset? Yeah, data is the new oil, and they're getting your data. If you're whatever you're doing, if you got one of these, 
they're tracking you, your own little personal tracking device. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like, uh, yeah, that's great that you're getting off one, but you're going to another. It's you're still on it. You're still in the you're still in the net. Mm-hmm. They're still tracking. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, like you said earlier, what you need to be doing is praying more, reading more books, especially for Mediatrix Press. Uh, did I say that out loud? And uh, well, I mean, I'll plug uh, Glorious Imperial by Saint Alphonsus. I don't sell it, so it's someone else's book. So I'm plugging I'm plugging Tan actually here. But uh, this is also a book I highly recommend you read. Yeah, the greatest book on Mary ever penned. Yes. Read it twice, backwards and forwards. Give it to a friend of yours. Uh, promote the faith around your area. I don't know if you saw but one of the things I was just doing. My brother was just came passing through, and I got him to bless a couple hundreds uh, miraculous medals and St. Benedict medals. Why? I don't need them right now, do I? I want to pass them out during Advent because most people think Christmas is that is Christmas is during the Advent season. People take those. Try it. Go give them, give them a little, get a little, go to St. Bennett, St. Paul Street Evangelization Team store, get the bulk order of medals, get the bulk order of the, of the necklaces, hand them while you're driving through McDonald's for the family or wherever, leave them as a tip with a tip. You couldn't get <laughs> father to just peek, peek on camera. You couldn't get him to just say hi to, to the RTF people. Come on, man. He was kind of tired. He was, he was, he was chugging Come some on, coffee. Man. He was trying- but uh no so yeah i put them back and put them to work so i'm going to give away those like i've done every year for the past six seven eight years of uber and you know whatever but do stuff like that you got if we don't promote the faith as belak said it's going to be catholic or chaos we're in chaos mode let's try the catholic part Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think we can skip unpopular opinions this week because the entire show is unpopular and no one's going to outdo each other (laughs) how about a psa uh and let's just hope if everyone could just say a prayer that restoring the faith survives the next uh seven days (laughs) that would be great (laughs) this is the rundown thank you for watching the media said what (laughs) the media said joe biden's president Ha 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 